What do you get when you combine a licensed professional counselor who loves lifelong physical fitness with a strength and conditioning coach who loves mental development? You get Jonathan Pishner and Jerry Hanley, two guys who love to help you find ways to fix problems that will improve your life through what they call asymmetric habits, specific changes you can make with outsized payoffs. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Asymmetric Habits. I'm Jerry Hanley with Viking Performance Training with my good friend Jonathan Pishner of Apex Counseling. And we're here for today's broadcast, which is using anger as a positive emotion. If you're listening to this live, it's right after the 4th of July. So I hope everybody had an awesome Independence Day as well. Um, even if you don't live in America, then I just hope you had a really, really good July 4th. And and maybe also still had some hot dogs or something like that. But so today's topic is, is kind of one of these, um, I don't want to say hot buttons, if you will, because that's not really a thing, but it's a, I feel like this one is a surprising topic for a lot of people. And that one would be that anger is not necessarily a again, like bad thing or a toxic trait, uh, but it can actually be used uh, to create some good. And, you know, properly finding like properly finding kind of healthier anger or healthier channels for anger um, is can actually help you in a lot of ways. And so that's what we decided to spend this entire broadcast talking about it. So you want to go over a little bit with your uh, brain science there, my friend? <laughs> sure. Although uh, one of the things I'm going to absolutely start the whole thing with is uh, that while anger can be used as a positive emotion, if you understand how to channel it properly, there's actually a second side of it that's that's important to know. And so I want to say it now and I'll probably say it 40 more times throughout the uh, entire episode is a lot of people are aware that anger can be used in some sort of constructive way and actually over romanticize doing that, even if it doesn't work well for them. So, so there's a, an aspect of this episode that's going to be here's how to do it and served up with a lot of but if this doesn't work for you stop trying to force it to work because i work with a lot of uh, especially young men who you know kind of have the idea of like oh man i just need to like like you know get 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 angry enough to you know uh, play my sport better maybe and they've tried it and it doesn't work and they've tried it, it doesn't work and they've tried it, it doesn't work and, and and finally i have to say look this this is clearly just not going to be the approach for you uh, but they've maybe had it a little over romanticized. So there's, there's a thing that's going to be served up throughout the rest of the episode, but to get to the actual topic, using anger as a positive emotion is something that some people don't consider because we, we lump emotions traditionally into positive and negative. Like if you're happy and joyful or calm or compassionate, those are the positive emotions. And if you're angry or sad or anxious or fearful, those are negative emotions. And the reason we're on this topic today is because emotions serve a purpose. And what a lot of times people can do is they can take emotions that are somewhat negative, often like anger, but if they use them for the, I want to say original purpose, uh, because, you know, that's, that's not kind of like how we evolved, but uh, functionally the original purpose, uh, then you can use it much better. And if you think of anger, well, what is anger? Anger is essentially uh, the emotion of aggression. That's not a thing that can be used lightly or in a lot of situations. But if you can figure out the narrow areas where that's appropriate, there's a lot you can do with anger to, to actually move your life forward if you know how and if you know how to use it carefully and sanely. The reason most people get into trouble with this is because they accidentally use it insanely. Great point. And you use one of the words I had exactly in my head, and that was aggression uh, being it. And to basically build on that is like people really need to realize that with aggression and, I mean, you know, with like those feelings of anger, they are basically giving your body almost like permission to 
increase your energy for in a temporary state. Like that's, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the psychological going into the physical, when you have that, uh, like that emotion, that is basically what it's doing through the hormones and the neural connections in the brain is it's actually saying like, okay, with this emotional state you're in right now, you like, we're giving you an opportunity to push like these energy limits or these strength limits. Like if we're talking purely physical to a higher degree for a little while, now it, it will fade. There may be, then there may be physical, even drawbacks, like depending on what, on, on how much you pushed it on the other side of things, but it's it, but it's like permission to do that. It's like for an extra level. And that's where a lot of the, uh, like where you're saying, using it correctly comes into play. Cause if you, so you get angry at, um, I mean, yeah, let's just say like, even just if it's yourself, you're working on a project um, that you really wanted to get done. And, or let's say, you know, it's actually like a deadline, something goes wrong. All of a sudden you find that you have to go back and fix it, but the deadline is still coming. The anger that you will probably feel at that project, at something messing that project up could give you that extra push of energy and focus to go back and fix it in the time that you need to. That is uh, you know, just fairly traditional, like good use of anger. It basically is that extra energy, extra focus for a specific amount of time after the fact. But so how can we take those things and be, again, just more aware of them uh, to, to utilize them or when to know not to like to t- instead try to relax and avoid it. Now you might not realize that you, you, you jumped ahead to probably the hardest use of anger as any sort of positive driver. Didn't realize uh, it, but it didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, because uh, anger at yourself can be used, but that that's an extremely dangerous tool. It's usable, but but uh, that is the easiest way for it to go wrong. So so let's let's kind of build this concept. Yeah, yeah, and we'll go through the like the easier uses. So almost everyone watching this has had appropriate anger that has served them well in their life. Uh, Almost anyone, if you're above 18 or 19, will have had anger that has caused them to quit a terrible job. That's an appropriate use of anger, because if you think of the mixed emotions that come with, let's say you're working a job and it's like, oh, gosh, well, I really need the money, but this is so terrible. Leaving the job creates fear fear of different uh, uh, financial situations, fear of judgment from coworkers or possibly parents. Um, But if a workplace is toxic enough, it is absolutely necessary to leave. The anger provides an alternate emotional experience and the energy to essentially ignore the fear and do the thing that's better for you. So most people who've ever quit a job have, have at least experienced that type of appropriate anger. And you get the same thing with, um, say, love relationships, friendships that, that, that are no longer uh, working out well for you. Appropriate anger gives you the energy to essentially say no to these relationships. Uh, one of the things that, that people will sometimes accidentally do to themselves is they'll try and tamp down on their appropriate anger thinking that because like we said, it's a so-called negative emotion that it's bad and it must never be acted upon. That's not precisely right because if the situation is toxic, the anger gives you the emotional impetus and the energy to both get out and resist attempts for that situation to try and draw you back in. Um, there's, a, there's going to be a much smaller subsection of people who've had this secondary experience. Almost everyone listening to this will have quit a job out of anger. How many people will, if they make the offer sweet enough, go back to that job knowing that it's a terrible idea? But what do they come at you with? They come at you with apologies or they come at you with more money or they come at you with who knows what. Uh, I worked at a place once that that would absolutely email people who had, you know, stormed off the job trying to get them to come back and they'd offer them everything under the sun. 
most of those people would maintain their appropriate anger and say, no, this place is so terrible. I don't care if you offer me free cars and double my salary. I'm never going back, which was appropriate because that, that place was particularly toxic. So the anger gives you the ability to resist the other emotions that might accidentally draw you back into toxic situations. That's not only the easiest use of anger as an appropriate emotion, but is one that almost everyone is familiar with when they stop and think about it. So, so nearly everyone has actually done what we're talking about already. They don't actually realize that it was, it was as good as it was using this as a positive emotion. Mm -hmm. So you have a much better grasp of, you know, the, the organization <laughs> of the types of anger that could fall into. So a lot of this will be me thinking of situations or having those questions and then asking you kind of what's appropriate or maybe if there's a select order. So that is an amazing way to handle this. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so with those examples, you know, something I picked up on is, you know, like relationships, whether it's bad job fit, bad relationship fit with a loved one or bad friendship. Uh, something that strikes out at me is all of those situations would seem like they are normally things you want to kind of make sure that you're doing the right thing. Or again, like not be an impulsive type of anger, um, you know, just like absolutely like unacceptable things happening, like notwithstanding. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise there seem to be things that you would kind of go into that and you, that you wouldn't want to act almost. You just wouldn't want to make sure you would want to make sure that you're not acting too hastily in anger but you would want to make sure that it's kind of like not getting better in a reasonable amount of time because well, you're not getting your needs met. You're not getting the respect you deserve or whatever it may be. Like the, the fact that you wouldn't want to go into those decisions hastily, what would be like, what would be kind of a way just for, again, for people to again, just have that awareness of I'm just mad right now versus I seem to be mad at this a lot and I don't think it's going to get better. Okay. So I'm going to give you an unsatisfying answer because there's an element of this that is non-explainable. Uh, anyone who knows how to ride a bicycle can kind of sort of verbally describe how to balance on the bicycle. Right. But when has that description ever resulted in somebody getting on a bike and never falling and always balancing perfectly? There's an element of it that has to be felt through and just the mistakes have to get made. Uh, so when I describe this, just understand that there is no way I'm going to describe it perfectly enough for someone to deploy it perfectly the first time and every time. Uh, and matter of fact, I'm going to sort of, help my explanation by flipping it over to toxic uh, to, to like a, an idea of a toxic positive emotion you can have toxic compassion uh mm. you have a ton of compassion for your clients that you see at the gym you spend a ton of time on them. if you decided oh well these 10 other people also need my help so i'm going to sacrifice my time with my family to go and do more work that sounds like it's compassionate, but it could be toxically compassionate because you're you're now putting yourself in a position where your life is starting to maybe be less good and you're going to be able to serve people less well later. Um, so if we get to the idea of like, OK, how do I balance my anger and the impulsiveness that comes from it? The thing that you, you have to try and think through and you will do imperfectly, so I'm not going to pretend you're, you're going to get it right, is have you at least thought through, in if not the long term, at least the medium term, what are the consequences of what I'm about to do and do those seem to be net positive? Because mm -hmm. uh, there will be drawbacks. There we go. Yep. Yeah. You leave a job. Well, I mean, there's going to be a drawback because you're suddenly not going to be having a paycheck and you're going to have to spend the time looking for a new one and whatever else comes with that. But are you going to gain enough from either a potential better position or just lack of stress or something that, that in the medium to longer term, it's going to be net positive. Now, if you leave a job 
but it's going to end up in the repossession of your car and losing your house and suddenly being destitute, financially destroyed or homeless. That might be a time when you've got to rein in the impulsiveness of that anger. Just say, well, this is just going to have to be bad and I'm going to have to suck it up and, and be okay with it for a while. Uh, but it, it's really looking in the medium to long term. Can you identify that what you're about to do is going to be net positive preferably heavily net positive. How much of that impulsiveness do you think is tied to temper? You know, that's a tricky question because temper is not really a, uh, a technical word in the field of psychology. Um, cool. So it can mean a lot of stuff, but, but if you mean temper as in, the tendency towards destructive impulsiveness. Uh, that's the way most people mean that. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of built in, like temper is kind of used to just to describe somebody becoming impulsive and especially negatively impulsive and then having to fix things later. If somebody has a bad temper, usually what it results in is they blow up at somebody in their relationships or even strangers. And then they have to either fix that by, fixing their relationships or, you know, some people even have to have encounters with law enforcement over it. And, uh, the court mandates them to anger management therapy. That definitely happens a fair bit. Yeah. So I really, I think it was huge. And I mean, for anybody maybe just joining now, it's one of those things that would be worth a quick rewind. Um, we mentioned the net positive, cause like I said, that's something that we've actually talked about in, you know, that's come up in multiple, uh, ones of our conversations like these and the combination of the awareness of what you're doing or responding to, but then also what you are going to get out of it. Like I said, the actual future consequence of an action there. Like, I mean, that part's huge. And I feel like, yes, yeah, so often we get stuck in the right now or also in the, you know, what we want to happen that we don't necessarily actually take the time to think about what will happen or the chain of events that will happen with that it, like mm -hmm. like you said I mean, with the job it's perfect so it might be okay like i don't have to show up to this like hellhole or something like that if that's the type of way you're at i don't have to deal with these managers or something like that like said so, like did you actually like, so, like okay is is this going to be just mildly just a mild nuisance for a while not having a job or is it is this actually something that as soon as you walk out the door is going to hit you like a smack in the face is uh, crap there's a lot to there's a lot to get through um mm -hmm. okay like is there like so another one of my curious pieces with it is a lot of times it, it, like wh when people have that just surge of surge of emotion that a lot of people call an anger in a situation um what would be like the is most of the time is there kind of like an accuracy to it uh struggling to think of this one like is it most of the time is it almost justified in people like a trust your gut type of thing or a lot of times is it actually misguided that, that's that's harder to 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 describe because here's matter of fact um you you can sum up a a great deal of like advice on how to deal with people in this one sentence. If you have enough information, everything somebody does makes perfect sense. Here's the problem with, with utilizing that in your question, because uh, let you said, okay, does, should a person trust their anger in that moment? Maybe, maybe not. So th there's a good example of a, a, a client I worked with a long time ago that came in for anger problems. And uh, we did some work and uh, we kind of narrowed it in. It's like, okay, every single one of these situations where you've blown up at somebody, it also happens to be an authority figure. Have you ever had a bad experience with an authority figure somewhere? And then we found a ton of parent related trauma. This person was not responding to anything the authority figures did. They were responding to something that happened 10 years ago which in that case is a great example of like, wow, okay, you, your felt sense of what was occurring was skewed. It, it, it was uh, it, it was not to be trusted because for the most part, what was happening was relatively benign. Uh, but there are how many situations where, where it really is 
somebody uh, is actually doing something to you. So the trouble is it's it's difficult to trust your gut in the moment. You, you almost do need at least some level of reflection time because the impulsivity that comes with anger does override certain amounts of your, your ability to think rationally. So I, I almost never encourage people to give into the impulsiveness that comes with anger until they've really, you know, kind of spent some time an analyzing what's what's happening with them and making sure, yes, what I'm experiencing is is correct to be angry about. Uh, because you know, if we think of that one client, I couldn't tell that person to trust their gut yet because uh, their gut simply was it, uh, all of the information was skewed. But there's plenty of people I, I, I run through the situations with them. I'm like, yes, this is some, you, something is being done to you. It is correct for you to experience anger. Your anger is appropriate in this situation. So hopefully that answers your question, awesome. but, but, but it, I, I, it, it is with the uh, result of, yeah, you can't always trust your gut. You really got to sometimes spend time thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. No, I thought that was really good, particularly mentioning how it does typically override part of your reasoning skills to a degree and needing that little bit of time for reflection, or at least it being useful more often than not. Uh, good moment to juxtapose, actually. I want to point out to a lot of people that anger doesn't necessarily mean red faced and screaming or acting like that you know it's very possible to to either yourself or confront other people who might have the exact opposite type of like physical action like you know they might be slow calm reasoned but you know g going through anger emotions in, in their mind so that doesn't have to be a like temper tantrum type of outburst it can just be just a very negative feeling towards whatever um so, and, and actually, let, let me, let's let's use this as a moment to, to talk about uh, one of the ways to, to use anger in, with maximum usability uh, in a positive way, because if you resist the impulsiveness and, and you really like hang on to the energy until it's time to use it, uh, think of the athlete example. How many times we've been watching football? And, you know, you, you know, you know, when players are rivals and, you know, when they're when there's heat between two people and you see somebody just make that banger hit and just just really knock somebody down. And it's a wonderful hit. And then instead of putting a cap back on their anger, what do they do? They sit there and they like shove them on the head as they get up. Now they took their great play flag on the play, 20 yard penalty, and they screwed it up with the impulsiveness instead of putting the cat back on it, holding it for the next play and then letting it out again. A lot of times that's where people get into to their worst trouble when they, they experience anger is they give into that impulsiveness instead of channeling it into some avenue that is actually useful and, and is going to provide short, medium and long-term benefits. The only short-term benefit that you get with a lot of the athletic examples, uh, especially in the impulsiveness, you get that one second satisfaction of like you, you did something you weren't supposed to do. And then three seconds later, you've got to deal with the consequences of now you've got a penalty. Now the coach is mad at you. Now your fellow players are mad at you. And now you might be sitting out pieces of the game or the season because you just couldn't hang on to that impulsiveness. Yeah. So this is awesome. Like with the, um, with putting the cap back on, I mean, yeah. Like when he's, I mean, like you said, there's the impulsiveness. There's, there's also to some degree, like, um, you know, part of that impulsiveness, especially if you did something, like I said, like great, you just did something really good is there's almost a feeling of like extra, very temporary satisfaction that comes from like a show of dominance at that point. Like it's in a competition, like, okay, I just did this. It was awesome, but now I have to do something dominant, like to, to show it. And it's that's usually not well received or even legal in a lot of sports. So with that, putting the cap back on, like what are like because like you said, that's this is a very instantaneous thing from one split second to the next. Like, what can people do, or like what could athletes do in that situation? Um, to you know, make sure that they get the the maximum benefit of that 
of that anger as a positive force, but then get better at capping it when they're supposed to. Because I'll admit, you know, I've been around, I've been around that all the time, and it still baffles me when I see a good play, like so, like that, like a really awesome, intense play, immediately followed by something stupid like that. And like, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's understandable, but it's baffling because it's also not. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, are, like put the cat back on strategies. So there's no easy ones. There's only moderately difficult or insanely difficult strategies for that, that I'm aware of, uh, because even the simplest ones they're simple to say, but doing them in the moment when you're experiencing that high emotional energy makes it way more difficult. But, but one of the easiest and simplest things people can do is most of the time, if you're going into a game, uh, if you're an athlete, if you're going into a, a work situation, if, if this is work, no matter what it is, you know if you're vulnerable to anger in a situation. Uh, one of the best things you can do is prime yourself by thinking through what are the things you'll allow yourself to do and not allow yourself to do. And anything that's related to your ego is probably a bad idea. You know, hit, you know if you're the football player and you make the big hit, that's great. It looks great on the highlight reel. That's a little related to ego, but the dominance display that's the, was the perfect word you used. The dominance displays that that's all ego that has nothing to do with anything else besides ego. And if you already know that you're vulnerable to the emotion of anger, kind of prepping yourself by saying, okay, I'm, I'm not going to allow e ego behaviors. I'm only going to allow like useful anger behaviors. That helps a lot because you, you've kind of already, set yourself up to have a psychological interrupt if you start to give into that impulsiveness. If you don't do that, sometimes you've already done it by the time you like think through like, shoot, that was a bad idea, but it's already too late because you didn't psychologically prime yourself. Now, I recognize that this is a strategy that only works if you already know you're going to be vulnerable to anger going into a situation. For the people who, who don't know uh, that they're, they're potentially vulnerable to anger, one of the best things to do is as soon as you start feeling the emotion of anger, and, and, and this kind of goes against our, our topic for today, using it usefully, but if you don't know what to do with it and you're, you're experiencing that impulsiveness, get away from people before you have the opportunity to do something dumb because if you've not psychologically primed yourself for, okay, how would I handle this? Then you have no, uh, no like guardrails to help uh, figure out what your behavior is going to be. You really need to try and get your rational brain re-engaged before you even have a behavior. And I recognize that's not always possible. You know, we're kind of talking about what's, what's ideal. Uh, and every once in a while, it's just not possible. But th those would be the two things I would say are the simplest things that most people would have some hope of being able to deploy. Yeah, and you think about how big of a how big of a like people this is, or how hard it can be to utilize that or point in the right direction. Think this is one of these you know multi million, probably billion dollar industries actually. And I don't mean like the counseling part, um, but quote like you know stress relief slash in a lot of cases anger relief, a, a lot of stress relief things out there are basically, hey, let anger out. Like, you know, like, um, I can't, like rec rooms, like wreck it rooms or whatever they're called, you know, where you just, go, you know, pay. Uh, smash rooms. Smash yeah, rooms. where you go bust stuff up. Yeah. Um, or I know, you know, I I feel like I might have been in What About Bob, the old Bill Murray, Bill Murray uh, movie. <laughs> it's like in Richard Dreyfus, I think. But, like, I feel like there that was one of the first times I might have seen, like, the classic – beat something up as therapy like routine um i don't know if you ever got one but you know just a few weeks ago i sent you a video with those uh like damn it dolls that you literally you know oh yeah yeah desk um i mean yeah just like the amount of things out there that are made literally just to let somebody you know basically lash out for in a controlled environment 
to get some of that to get some of that pent up like aggression out. Like I said, I mean that shows you how much how valuable this is and how many people don't have ways to utilize it very well. Or they well, like, yeah, and, and that's that's actually a good uh, a good thing to talk about because even though that's not that's not using it for anything, but sometimes your anger gets to a point where it's too high and it becomes unusable. Because like I mean, let's let's stick with the the job example. I mean, if you despise your workplace and your managers and everything, and your anger's up here, uh, quitting will only get you so far as like an aggressive if we can use that word behavior uh your anger might be high enough you need some other pressure valve to release it in which case like smash rooms and uh, some of these other uh, things that are in vogue right now are, are wonderful release valves for that that's kind of getting your anger out in a neutral way but it's it's much safer than walking around with this high pressure built up and then suddenly your love partner says something mildly annoying and instead of being cool with it, you just blow the hell up over something that, that was uh, really not worth blowing up over. So, yeah, if you if you find yourself in a position where uh, uh, you have too much of the anger to be released through some sort of positive, uh, uh, positive and productive way, at least getting it out in, in one of those uh, neutral and safe ways is definitely a good tool. Um, even if you live in the middle of nowhere, some productive, go outside and scream. <laughs> Dude, I, I really wonder if there, there isn't something to the fact that when we used to have to do more physical labor, uh, that maybe that was a way that was just naturally built into society for people to get out some of their aggression, uh, in a natural way. Now that we don't have that, I actually do wonder if people like have more anger problems because there's not this natural pressure valve of digging ditches, chopping wood and those kind of things. There's no useful way to study that. So that's just kind of a random question and hypothesis that I wonder about sometimes. But there's yeah, I no way to reasonably answer it. Yeah, I, I'm I believe that wanting to go in that rabbit hole. Yeah, I believe that exact same thing. And the fact that our stresses now are so much more numerous, but for the most part, so much less serious too. I think, you know, like it keeps adding up when it's not like, Oh, like I need to make sure that I build this home and chop enough firewood. So my family survives this winter, you know, like that, like, you know, just you can't compare those apples and oranges anymore. So like, yeah, the, the way that we, express like yeah just either either pent up emotions or release them like yeah i'm a big believer in that as a whole um so bringing it i want to come back to sport and then take it something um something else do you know a lot of athletes go through but also we see this a lot in the professional setting but also in a personal setting like a not so not so much i think you, you, you might tell me i'm wrong not not so much like personal romantic relationships but in peer relationships a lot uh, but so athletics professional settings peer relationships is rivalries and how you know that can really keep us going a lot or like that, that can that can that can basically push people to in a lot of ways you know outside their comfort zone some cases good some cases bad and that's one of those things where you know rivalries can become so intense that anger does become involved it's not necessary you know especially if it's not you know like a a fun rivalry dodgeball game or something against like other businesses probably not really anger in that but if you're talking you know like 100 year old <laughs> like uh, Hatfield and McCoys or just supposedly, you know, college rivalries that are just older than the kids playing have been alive. Mm -hmm. Anger can actually surface in those. Um, uh, something you and I have talked about before one is, you know, how you don't need a rivalry necessarily to get the benefits that a rivalry can create. And it was basically like, so what are, first off, you know, what are some of those benefits that, that it come from like productive rivalries and then how could people basically take some of that and actually utilize it and put it in action for themselves without needing to go and find a rival. Well, and, and here's the thing. I, I would actually say that 
productive rivalries don't involve very much anger. If it moves into anger, it is probably moving into a non-productive rivalry. So, 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 so it's actually two separate things because uh, what, and, and I, I would need to, uh, you know, maybe pay closer attention because I don't watch a ton of sports, but, but of all of the examples I can think of, Anytime you see it, it get to like really just clearly personal uh, anger towards each other, as opposed to just a hunger to beat the other person because you want to prove you're the best. Uh, I've never observed there to be any particularly better performance uh, with the, the angry person versus the, the one who's, who's not angry. Uh that that looks always to my eye looks toxic. So uh, if we were going to talk about using anger in the most useful ways, I would say if you are in a rivalry situation and you are in a moderate to high state of anger towards your rival, something has gone wrong and you probably need to work on reducing it as opposed to trying to channel it very much because what happens to a lot of people is they, they get to a level of hatred. You can't really perform your best when you're at that level of negative emotion. Uh, that's kind of like if we have a car and we, we have gasoline, which is explosive, we throw a little nitrous in it, it goes better and faster, but it wears the engine out a little faster. You can't just throw nothing but nitrous into the gas tank and like hit the gas and expect anything good to happen. That's kind of what happens with a lot of these rivalries. Uh, and, and you even see that played out in some of the combat sports like MMA and uh, uh, boxing. Mm -hmm. Like they'll get halfway through the fight and a brawl breaks out between the corners and it's just a mess. Um, so I, I would say if you have very much anger when there's a sports rivalry it's probably moving away from from yeah. anything beneficial little anger like okay little trash talking okay especially if it's the manipulative kind where you're just trying to like you know provoke somebody to get upset enough to be off their game like larry bird was kind of well known for that in basketball and a few others uh but that that's that's where uh this particular tool starts to become very very risky very quickly yeah so uh, this, is a, this is kind of a long-winded answer to say, uh, yes, it can work, but it's so difficult to make it work right that I, I would have trouble explaining how to do it. Yeah. Uh, think about it. I feel like most rivalries, and again, like your, your bigger ones, I guess, um, they almost have a good versus evil mentality inside of the groups. But naturally, both groups, I assume, are the ones that believe they're the good ones. They're yeah, the we're ones. the heroes and those other people are the villains. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. like, um, and I feel like a lot of times that's all, you know, again, that may sound crazy, like good versus evil. But again, like, seriously, like, not necessarily as in a you think this person is actually, like, in league for evil intentions. <laughs> but as in a, like, we are the more righteous team. <laughs> we do things more appropriately. Uh, and they cheat, disrespect us, play dirty, whatever it is, um, fudge their numbers. Steal so the reps are on their side. Yeah, I mean, the whole exactly. Thing. Right? Yeah, they, they're trying to steal our business. They steal clients. They talk bad about us, like things like that. I feel like a lot of those rivalries have that, that type of good versus, like, again, just good versus yeah. evil. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like you're saying, I feel like the, yeah, like, so, well, not necessarily anger. Yeah, the intensity that can bring up to make people want to do better because who wants to let the evil that part's great, but not crossing the line, which would be when you said like like hatred is a good term, like not crossing the line into an actual hatred, because like I said at that point you're basically all gloves are off and bad decisions are bound to be made um, at that point. Yeah, like like a good rivalry is really more based on a a hunger to do well. And yeah. a hunger to do better than the other person. As soon as you're oriented on the other person as bad, you're you're starting to be in a risky position uh, as far as optimizing what you're going to do. Yeah, tell you what, so my 
Some of my favorite rivalry types are found in combat sports. Um, so particularly in one versus one, but you know, while there's obviously a lot of sports out there, I do not have experience with, I would say rugby would be the most, the team sport that it makes me think of. And it would be like, um, or strong man come to think of strength, like to some degree has this as well. It would be the very intense competitive rivalry and you compete you're like you both and it creates both of you to push to compete near your maximum extent and as soon as it's over it's like hey do you want to go grab a drink together what are you guys doing for dinner <laughs> like exchanging contact info something mm -hmm. like that almost like such a such a fulfilling sense of competition that it, that the respect it actually ends up creating respect respect rather mm -hmm. than hate and then also that, that feeling of camaraderie that lets you go do things together or want to go do things together. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you had a good example of uh, in strongman of the toxic version of that, cause you had uh, uh, Eddie Hall and half Thor with their toxic rivalry, clearly very angry at each other over what I perceived to be nonsense. Maybe it wasn't, but, uh, uh, and they monetized that angry rivalry into a boxing match, but still like, like that, clearly you know was a rivalry that had gone from okay i'm hungry to do better to something very different and probably not very beneficial uh, so a couple of notes here i had uh one is do you feel like being like well actually I, I already know the answer to this in a way but like going early to say like quitting the job quitting the toxic relationship um how is it really that the, the, the feelings of anger can help you enter uncomfortable those uncomfortable situations? It's basically the uncomfortable situation aspect that I'm asking about. So, like, just you know, something that you don't want to do, but the, you know, because like I said, quitting a job, breaking up with somebody, telling a friend or a family member even that you just really like you just can't hang out, you can't hang out with them anymore um, mm -hmm. because of the way they're making you feel or the or the impact they're having. Like those are all things that we may think about, but it's like, you know, they're, they're not exact for most of us. They're not exactly situations where like, once we think on it and decide it's a good idea, we're like, all right, let me walk right in here and do it. Like, you know, there's a now, lot let of, let me walk right into this buzzsaw with a smile on my face. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lot of like, Oh, like I, I got to do these seven other things over here. I'll get to it later. But like, you know, anger can be that spark that makes us take that step. Yeah, so, so uh, an easy way to think of it is anger is a, a high energy emotion. And it takes a certain amount of energy to, well, do anything. The more difficult it is, the more energy it takes. Uh, so it takes energy to be able to, you know, get out of your bad job. It takes energy to stay out of it. It takes energy to, uh, you know, have to face the people who are going to judge you for it, maybe your parents or your friends or your, your coworkers or whoever. And all of these things require a certain amount of energy. Since anger is a high energy emotion, being in that state of uh, a high energy emotion helps produce the energy necessary to handle all of it. Uh, it's kind of like if you, if you look at somebody who's in a calm state versus like an excited happy state, you'll see the excited person doing more because the excited state is much more energy intensive. A calm state is also positive, but it's a low energy happy state as opposed to a high energy happy state. Anger is the same thing, but on the more negative side, supposedly. Uh, it's a high energy emotion that is very uncomfortable to be in, but it produces the energy required for us to get out of other types of discomfort. Uh, so actually speaking of that one, that basically leads me right into my next one. And, you know, so like what made me think of this one was you, you know, you and I both with um, pretty extensive in your case, really extensive martial arts backgrounds. But, you know, part of that is a like sometimes it might be meditative. You can call it inner peace, just whatever, but a generally more like normally being calm more often than not <laughs> staying calm more often than not you know whether it is through meditation whether it's just through like a not being as bothered by 
outside sources, what, what, whatever cause it is, you know, like different, um, different practices like martial arts and meditation mm-hmm. and yoga, or just simply a lot of like awareness training in a way can create those senses of like prolonged calmness or even as go as far as let's say inner peace. Um, you know, like just in that versus being able to turn it on, like, like using, using anger at a, t- like at a, in a positive time, like super mm-hmm. fantastical example, but think Bruce Banner in the Avengers, when he tells cap, you know, whoever it is that his secret is that he's always angry, <laughs> but that allows him to turn it on on purpose when, when he needs to. But so what are the ways to kind of like, uh, I just, what are some, uh, shoot, I can't think of the word, but advice. There we go. But ways that people can remember to actually turn it on when it's good, like at a time that it might help them. Um, that's a good question because I can answer the implied question on the first part, but I'll, I'll need to think about the second part because yeah. the first part you notice that um, a lot of martial arts type folks uh, over time get a get a greater sense of calmness. Part of that is, uh, you know, most people get into martial arts related stuff out of some version of like either they are afraid something might happen or something already did happen. They don't want it to happen again Uh, as they become uh, proficient in making sure that like people can't do stuff to them. They end up in a place where fear is less likely to happen. Fear is is another high energy emotion uh, as opposed to say sadness would be a low energy one, but fear and anger, both high energy emotions, people are less likely to act impulsively and more likely to act calmly if their fear response is dramatically lowered. That's why you see people with martial arts backgrounds have a tendency to be calmer because that high energy emotion that maybe used to be present simply isn't present nearly as often anymore. Um, but now with the idea of like, okay, how do I turn it on and off? Same thing as I said before with the bicycle example, it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, each person has different anger triggers and different things that help them exit anger more readily. But if you're, if you're interested in turning it on, my first thing would be like, well, okay, what are your anger triggers? And mentally go into those if you want to bring up your your anger. Uh, and just because it's so relevant to everyone who's potentially listening to this, I keep going back to the job thing, but you can use this for anything. Uh, you know, if you know it's time to quit, today's quitting day, but it's like, oh my God, I really don't want to, I really don't want to have these conversations. It would be, okay, let's revisit the anger triggers. Remember when you asked for that raise and how dismissive Mm. they were of you. Remember when you tried to get support and they said, no, figure it out, stupid. And visit those and let that start to bring that emotion up because then it's going to activate the energy necessary to, you know, if it's quitting day, to go ahead and quit. Uh, You know, I work with a couple of uh, professional athletes if I'm working with, say, a fighter, you know, right before it's time to go into the cage, though you have to be much more careful about this in athletics, you know, start sipping on those anger triggers just a little bit. Uh, and it might be about the other person. It might be about yourself. You know, remember that time when you should have won that tournament and you got tapped out and this time it's not going to happen and start sipping on it just a little bit. But remember what I said it is very easy to overshoot and go too far. So this is, this is a dangerous tool and I don't recommend it for everybody. So have a little self-awareness about whether or not this is a good idea for you to try this. All right. Back to the beginning, anger at the self. Yes. I I knew this was coming. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I said like my start. (laughs) Um, but I think it's funny because like this is literally my first thought of like when we first brought up anger as something we could talk about, like a- anger redirected at myself was my first it, like instinct to th- at ways to use it uh, appropriately. I mean, not that I'm always angry at myself, but in terms of how can anger be used appropriately, my first thought was at improving myself, quote unquote. Um, I said like, so 
I mean, for me, my understanding here is that uh, is that uh, you know uh, this is what uh, one of the one of the things that a lot of people would consider motivation, and that's kind of a catch-all term in a lot of ways. But but you know, unless you actually get started on things, it doesn't mean much either. But in a way, that is a simple way to describe how anger can be beneficial to yourself, and it generally comes through not being satisfied with something, mm-hmm. feeling like you could have done better. Maybe that you were wronged somehow, but it, but that you have the ability to improve it. But some form of of, of non satisfaction can then like be turned like that anger can then be turned into motivating you enough to actually create something more positive. Yes, yes, it can. So so let's let's kind of think about how to uh, break this into something usable. Um, one of the things that, that I, I find a lot of utility in, if I help people think through this, uh, is number one, is this useful or useless anger? Because if you're angry at yourself over something that is not very changeable, that's not going to be motivating. That, that's going to be destructive. Uh, so like, let's, let's take a, a very common example. There's a lot of people who have, say, social anxiety, and that that has some changeability. But you 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 don't often move people from social anxiety to complete social comfort. That does happen, but rarely. What you usually do is you move people from social anxiety to manageable small social nervousness. Uh, that's no longer like disordered and getting in the way of life. What a lot of people uh, experience is they'll they'll try and like get pissed at themselves for like, oh, I can't believe I'm I'm scared to just go have a conversation. I'm such a weakling, and that you know they'll, they'll I mean they'll tell themselves just, just horrible things, trying to get mad enough at themselves to to go do the thing. That's an example of it becoming poisonous because, you know, social anxiety is something that is really hard to completely get rid of. It's, it it kind of lives with a person for uh, a long time, and it's not something that is going to just go away. Now, there's other areas where you can get mad at yourself and, and have that be much more motivating. Uh, one of the one of the ones that a lot of people experience is they will get mad at themselves for like being in a bad financial position and use that as motivation to to get out of that. A bad financial position is absolutely changeable because all I have to do is write you a check and suddenly you're not in a bad financial position anymore as long as that check's big enough. So that's not something that's like innate within you. That's something that's situational. And the more situational it is, the more you can kind of use anger as a tool to give you the energy to power through it. But a lot of people mistakenly like try and do it on stuff that is way more mutable or way more immutable, excuse me, uh, and way more long term to change. That's that's where it becomes like a split between is this a good idea or a bad idea. So the this example is almost controversial. Well, not almost; it is controversial um, now, and that is when it comes to fitness, because there are a lot of people out there who make the change to a healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, after trying a lot, just you know, going years in a you know, just objectively unhealthy lifestyle, like, you know, overweight, like bad blood markers, whatever you call it, or whichever Mm -hmm. one you're focusing on. And then they eventually make that change, like completely transform their, their fitness and their health profile. And, you know, not all of them for sure, but a pretty sizable portion of them would like, will say that they just got tired of it. They got basically angry at themselves for the way that they, they were not taking care of themselves early, earlier. And that's one of those situations, like, you know, this is where to me, the individualism of people really like can really come into play a lot because there are some people, and again, a pretty sizable amount who 
we'll say something. We'll say that like the part of what finally made them make that switch is other people bringing it up. Like, you know, like bad comments, you know, just being made fun of things like that. And that is, you know, no longer under the mostly sociable, acceptable confines, but it actually ends up creating in some cases, uh, this is definitely not all, but in some cases it can create a, like a actual positive benefit by making the people angry at themselves. And then they used it in a positive manner to create positive change. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's no right way wrong. There's no really right way for that, but it was people. Who well, took- well, but, but, but there, there is actually something wonderful to talk about here because, uh, and, I, and I'm, I didn't know you were going to bring this example up. So I'm really glad I talked about, uh, you know, immutable traits versus uh, much more eminently changeable traits, because that will work for some people. Some people won't work for it. And, and, and here's the easy way I would like look at and make a make a guess as to which people it will work for, because there's some people who when we look at their life, how able are they to make actual fitness changes? Because first off, what is their genetic predisposition towards, you know, certain like health difficulties? What is their genetic predisposition towards addiction? Because food addiction is a real thing. What is their uh, emotion regulation and impulse control capabilities in this moment? What is their time like if you have a 60 hour week job and three children and you're a single parent, you have fewer fitness options than somebody who has no kids and, you know, a 40 hour week job. The more immutable things within the life, I would say the less likely it is that you're going to be able to use anger very effectively without it just turning inside and poisoning you the more things that are like much more eminently changeable, you can probably use that as short-term nitro fuel to like get you over the hump. But there's a lot of people who uh, just like have kind of accidentally gotten painted into a corner health-wise and really deeply struggle to, to make the changes necessary because they just have too many factors stacked on top of each other to make rapid fire changes. That's good. And that's a really, I'm, I have no idea how you actually pulled that from, (laughs) from the situation. I mean, in a way you were able to describe it like that, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, because what's funny is like, you would be surprised how many times we talk about fitness in the counseling room, not because uh, of anything other than just like, at some point people bring up like, how dissatisfied they are and how they they've tried to get mad at themselves in this way. And a lot of the people who've been unsuccessful are exactly like I described, like, you know, it'll be somebody who, if we really sat down and roadmapped it, we'd be like, well, shoot, you can't even start on fitness yet. Cause you're, you're going to need like physical therapy to reconstruct a couple of things. And you're going to need like, emotion regulation skills like you know we can start on fitness like two years from now and you're trying to start today it's no wonder this is this is falling apart and you being mad at yourself is not helping anything at all uh that conversation happens way more often than you would think in the therapy room makes a lot of sense all right man is there anything you want to like bullet point from all this because we covered a lot oh absolutely uh especially this because this is this is a useful topic but is very easily able to to uh you know go wrong directions so back to back to what we said at the beginning you can use anger positively but it is a dangerous tool yeah uh you know think whenever you are whenever you're getting ready to use a power saw i mean you got to go and make sure you put on the right tool, the right uh, protective gear and everything. And you gotta be real careful as you wield it. This is that. Uh, So do know that anger can be a positive emotion. If it moves you towards something useful, it absolutely can be positive, but uh, you do have to get in control of the impulse part of anger. The more you're acting impulsively, the less likely it is that anger is gonna go well for you. If you're using anger at yourself as a motivating factor, 
the more things that, that are non-changeable or difficult to change, the more likely it is, is not going to work for you. Uh, and above all, there's a lot of people who romanticize the idea of using anger as that motivational tool. If it works for you, terrific. It doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't have to. If, if it doesn't work for you, you wouldn't believe the number of men I talk to who like they think that they are somehow unmanly because they can't get angry enough at themselves to make changes. It has nothing to do with anything other than just this is an emotional tool that doesn't work for you. It's okay if emotional tools don't work for you. Switch to something that works for you. Awesome. Thanks again, brother. Had a great time on here. We covered a lot of stuff, way more than I thought we were going to actually. Yeah, yeah. This, this went on way longer than I, than I uh, thought it was going to. So, so we definitely uh, – so yeah, those of you listening, hope this helps you out. Hope this helps somebody out um, that you know possibly. Of course, you know, like it, share it, uh, tag it. Like, you know, make sure somebody that you – that you know that you could benefit from it, listens to it. And speaking of that, remember the Asymmetric Habits podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify podcasts, as well as some of the other smaller podcast platforms. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode, and we'll catch you later. See you all next time.